everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug, and I am here with episode 71. It's hard to believe we're already through this episode. This season's been so amazing. And in this episode, I get to chat with a good friend of mine, a, a an educator who's really, really working so hard to define and actually put some definition and, and meat behind a lot of these words that get tossed around so much in education today. And so we have been debating and, and pushing back and forth on our own ideas for many years in the channels of Voxer. And so I thought it was time that we bring it out and, and bring some of these conversations to light here a little bit. This, so I hope you really enjoy those. Guys, as always with these podcasts, we know everybody asks for it, but it really does make a huge difference in terms of getting the the message out. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you share it to your social media. I would love it if you screenshot it on your phone and share it out just so people can see it because I think a lot of the work that these guests are bringing and sharing into the podcast can be so beneficial to that teacher that just needs that nudge, that reminder that the work we do is so vital and so important and we don't get acknowledged enough to be told how important we are. And so as we share these messages of people doing this work, one, it's good for them. And second, it might just be the thing that someone needs right in that right time. So without further ado, let me jump into this amazing conversation with my good friend and educator, Dane Barner. And as he shares some ideas, I would love to hear your thoughts about what he has to share when we talk about innovation and engagement and what is school for. Enjoy, everybody. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug, and we are here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And I am—I feel like I, I know I say this every single episode, but I am so excited for this particular episode. Um, I get to chat here with with one of my good educator friends, and we have had so many great conversations, and I'm so excited to actually bring some of these conversations uh, to the public. And so. Um, Without further ado, Dane, why don't you start off, and for everybody who doesn't know who you are, introduce yourself and tell everybody uh, what it is that you do. Well, my name is Dane Barner, and I am a elementary music teacher. Um, I started in elementary, this is my 13th year, and I've made it all the way up to high school and then came all the way back down to elementary. During that time, I've, I've done all sorts of music classes, but I've also taught some technology, um, started to uh, present at conferences around the state, Things like that, and um, now my thirteenth in my thirteenth year, I'm kind of feeling like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it you know it takes that long. I mean, I always feel like I um, when I, when I see some of my former students in my first year or two, I'm always like, okay. oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, like <laughs> just I am so bad. I was so bad, um, oh, and I didn't know any different. But gosh, I, I apologize. You know, <laughs> and, and that's 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 the best form of learning is drawing from those experiences. Saying, "Oh, I did that one time, and I should not do that again." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And oh, what yeah. I yeah, and what I love about you is you know, you're a music teacher, and I feel like the definitely the arts are are, are a voice in education that, that doesn't get enough um, airplay, um, and. But you have an awesome, interesting take on many things education, and I know that because you and I have spent, geez, 
Hours. Days and days and days, probably of hours of, of Voxer chats back and forth, um, sometimes keeping our sanity, but really pushing our own thinking, and it's been great. And so I know that you've been really glued in with innovation. So I'm excited to, to pose this question of, um, you know, really wide open, but what are your thoughts on, on innovation as we think about the educational landscape of, uh, you know, what's best for, for students? Well, um, innovation is not something that came to me easily. For, I would say for the first six years of my career, I was an incredibly ordinary teacher. I loved my kids. I tried to serve them the best I could, you know, um, and put out the best product. As, as being in the fine arts, you know, you have concerts, you put out the best product. Um, but I didn't really think innovatively until I actually moved to Webster City. Um, and at that point, I didn't know it was innovative. I knew that I just saw what I had been doing for the last six years, and I'm like, how can I make that better? Especially when you're in the arts, sometimes kids don't take your your content as you know, seriously as they would in others. And I had to figure out a way, how am I able to really hook them so that we can move forward and, and make something of this? And so kind of coming at it backwards, I, I, I realized in order to be innovative, um, I had to figure out what that meant. If I want to do something really different in my classroom, what does innovation mean, period? And that took a long time. Because if you say, hey, uh, we're being really innovative at our school, they'll tell you like one thing that they're doing. Oh, we're having communication Mondays. We're being really innovative about our school. We've gotten rid of worksheets, and now we're doing uh, Google Forms. I'm like, well, that's not really innovative to me. So I had to go back, and I had to think, okay, what is innovation? And so I looked at a whole bunch of definitions. I looked at, asked a whole bunch of people. And I came down to that innovation is making changes to something established that results in a transformative experience. Okay, what's more established than school? I mean, that's <laughs> you're, you're only going to think of maybe one or two things. Right. So what's more established in school? So how can we make changes to something established to then result in transformative experiences? And transformative experiences, in my mind, is something that really changes the learner. I mean, my favorite one, and I've told you this a thousand times, my favorite story to tell about transformative learning is learning how to walk. Okay? Everybody learned how to walk for the most part. And so if you have children, you have kids, I have kids, watching that process of learning how to walk is astounding. Right. And so I'll, I'll tell you my bit about it. And, and that that's I just want to be able to understand, have a common understanding of transformative experience. So you're a baby of near walking age, right? And so you see all these people moving independently about the world on two legs and you're like that's a thing so <laughs> what do you do it's baby i so i find an appropriately heighted assisted device uh usually like a coffee table or you know a footstool and i pull myself up i'm still not experiencing all the rights and privileges of a full-time walker but now i'm not on the floor anymore so what does a baby do when they realize that this isn't good enough they take their first step and what happens fall down they they fall down. And so what do they so what do they say? The baby doesn't say, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm a full-time crawler. You know? No. A baby figures out, okay, and they modify and adapt. And at some point they take that step and they become a walker. Now, the thing that I really want to talk about when it's called talking about transformative experiences is when learning is truly transformative, it changes the ways others view you. So we don't call that baby a baby anymore. We call them a toddler. Not only have they learned 
this new transformative learning, it's changed the way the world references them. And so is that going to happen every single day in the classroom? You're going to have just these mind-blowing moments. No. But if you understand that that's the goal, maybe that happens over a, a period of years. Maybe that happens over a period of, of X, Y, or Z. But that's the stuff that really says to me we're being innovative. We change something established, and now we're getting completely different experiences. Yeah, so you, there's, I've got so many questions based on that. I, I just love it. I, I even wrote down on, on my notepad here, hashtag full-time crawler. I think there's, <laughs> there's your new uh, trending topic. So what the first question that I have is, so you talked about it took you a while to get to this idea of, of innovation, but what was it? I mean, because I think there's there's one thing to acknowledge that there's a need, and you talked about how do we get kids engaged in, in, in your music curriculum and actually take it serious and, and all that good stuff. But there's one thing that I think that we all face where like like we know what needs to be done, but then there's this barrier of actually doing it right. Like I always I just told I tell the story all the time. It's like my my new punchline now. Like like I need I need to lose some weight. Um, and I know that when I go home after a long day and I snarf down a bag of Doritos, I know that that's not going to help me achieve my goal. You give me a pop quiz on health, I can tell you that I know that Doritos aren't healthy. However, my actions, I'm still going to go home and eat Doritos. Like, like so there's, there's the idea, the awareness, and there's the action. So, so what was it that, that shifted you to not only acknowledge it, but also start to do it? Uh, and by do it, I mean the, the innovative practices that you're trying to create within your classroom. Yeah, uh, and not to be contrary, but I'm just going to shift the words around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I realized that innovation isn't something that you do. Yeah. It's something that happens. Absolutely. Okay? And that was like, What? You know, because I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be innovative, but it I never really got there. I had all the barriers. I had, you know, all these things that stood in my way for doing what I want to do. So I realized that in order to be innovative, you have to be in a space that allows you to be innovative. And so that space has some requirements. And those requirements, and this is just what I've figured out myself, is your mindset is crucial to being innovative. You have to figure out a way to remove restrictions. And we can talk about each of these or however. The biggest, hugest one is the right people. I couldn't be innovative until I was in a space with these specific people. I could you could just list them off by name that allowed me to go, oh, there's more out there. And then finally, failure is an option. You have to be okay failing in order to be innovative. Fear is the opposite of innovation. Like bottom line, yeah. And so, I don't know where you want to. I mean, yeah. I can talk to so, each of those. So, as you talk about about those things that we got, we got to dive and tackle in on. Um, you also talked about earlier about we know that education is this kind of established space, right? So, I think that's this is is one of the things that I think most educators can agree on. Yes, I want to do these innovative things, these creative things. Um, I want to develop these these spaces, um, but yet I'm I'm, I'm in this establishment. I have to have these meetings at this time, this spreadsheet to do on this time. I need to have X, Y, and Z and whatever the, the things are. And not to say those things aren't important, but we, we have these, these confines that we work in. Um, and so as you talk about those, those, those things that we have, to, you know, having good people and the barriers, what if you're in a school? Um, I can't control my admin. Um, I can't control the confines of what my school day looks like. But I want to do what this Dane guy is talking about. Like, Where's your first step with those people? Um, the people that you know that always say, "Well, 
I don't get to live in that fairy tale world. This is this is my my life, and so therefore I'm just going to check the boxes because education has has beaten me down to be this cog in a wheel. So if that was the situation, basically you can control what happens in your classroom. You have all these other things, yes. So if I was thinking about how was I going to just step into something a little more uh, transformative, I would think about not only what your content teaching is, what's not only what your content is, but what are the other things around the content that um, that you can really focus on to help your kids learn better. I'm talking about essential learning skills. I'm talking about 21st century constructs, things like work ethic, things like information management, technology proficiency, things, things like that. So how can I very, very pointedly tell my kids, we're gonna learn the content, but also look at all these other things that we are doing along with, okay? Because that can start to transform your kids because they may see, hey, I did this in class A, I can transfer this non-content specific skill to another class. And that's when they start connecting those learnings, and that's when it really starts to not just be regurgitation, but changes how they go about learning. Absolutely. So if that, you're, you're pigeonholed in there, find out what you can do to make the kids aware, hey, yeah, we're learning quarter notes and half notes, but we're also learning how to get along with folks and communicate <laughs> all of these other things. So... Um, yeah, I've, I've written my own essential learning skills. They're very similar to the 21st century constructs in the Iowa core um, with some additions. Write your own. What is the super important stuff that these kids need to learn to be a better learner of anything? Right, right. Start focusing on that and making sure it's at the forefront that you're telling your kids, yes, we're learning A, B, and C, but we are also learning these skills. Yeah. So... So I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Let's give an example, because I think as a music teacher, anybody in the arts, um, you have a lot of barriers. One, in your case, you probably have to see multiple age groups. You're lucky if you get to see them one day a week, maybe twice a week. It's usually a, I mean, I'm, I'm stereotyping here, but it's usually a short chunk of time. And you usually have a lot of kids, like you said, that, you know, that either see it as a brain break or... Thankfully, I don't have to do reading if I don't like reading or doing math and yay, you know. Um, and so as you have looked at this idea of, you know, innovation um, isn't something that you do, it just happens. How have you created the conditions in your music program when you probably have, on average, more barriers than most? And I say that with a caveat. Yes, I understand everybody that teaches has their own unique barriers. So I'm not saying you're more important than others. So I don't, I don't want any emails saying, but you don't understand <laughs> literacy and math. Yes, I know you, you're on the, on the newspaper every day, but you have conditions where you don't get to see kids necessarily every day. Um, so what's an example of how you've been able to, to, to infuse that? Yeah, that is putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, well, we've talked for, a little bit about your, your, your project that you're trying to launch now, right? Like you're trying to weave in all yeah. your ideas. Um, so yeah, that's, one way that I'm, I'm trying to justify what I'm doing is by putting some of the innovative things we're doing with essential learning skills, um, with still following the core standards for uh, music literacy, um, and then also another piece of engagement. I'm trying to get all of the, not only the stuff that I want to teach, but also the content stuff in one framework. So that when my principal says, what are you teaching? How does it align? That I can walk up and just plop this in front of her and say, this is exactly what I'm teaching. Here are all the standards. But, oh, here is the framework that I worked out for engagement. 
You know, how do I prove engagement in my classroom? How do I prove that my kids are curious? How do I prove that they have agency? How do I prove that they have the skills? And then on the other side, the essential learning skills that we were talking about earlier, all of that is roped in uh, or looped in as well. And so I'm at that point, I'm able to share what I have done. And that makes me happy if I can give my stuff to somebody else and say, here, use it and have a good time. And, and you're covered. You, you, I'm teaching the standards. I'm teaching, I'm proving uh, engagement. All of these other skills are coming along with it. And so I'm on the first step of that journey. Last, last year was a huge step of getting all this innovative stuff, you know, down on paper and what it looks like. And now we're applying that to actual classroom work, um, as well as aligning it with standards, um, right up until about Halloween, where we shut everything down and get ready for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's drill and kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, a lot of it um, just comes from being really, really forthright, making sure how am I allowing my kids to be who they are and learn the way they want to, but still get the content, still have those, but not barriers, but edges we got to keep away from, you know, we got to keep towards the middle, but um, it's, yeah, it's terribly exciting. Right. So as you talk about um, looking at some of these like techniques to like making sure that kids are engaged and, and looking at you know that, that kind of framework around um, the universal constructs of curiosity and critical thinking and all those types of things, what what what, what are your look for? Because I know you've been you've been drafting this your your own kind of vision and theory aligned with all the things that, that are going on. You, I mean I know you've developed a lot of time into that. Um, cause I think that's also something crucial that a lot of teachers struggle with is yeah have engagement, but then you know if the admin or the uppers or whoever is in charge goes will prove it, you know. What's that look like? And so what have been some things that you've developed or things that you're working through to kind of showcase people that this is actually happening in, in, in the classroom? Well, there's two parts to that. Any innovative effort has to be engaging um, in the classroom. And so, I, I mean, go to a, a ed tech conference. Go to something and find out how many times. Just count the number of times they say engaged or engagement, something like that. I mean, it will be lots but nobody ever says, what does engagement mean? If I want to be innovative, I have to have my kids engaged. What does that mean? So I had to go back and I had to really think to me, and you and I had a lot of conversations about this, is what, what what's the definition? And so what I decided was that engagement is a precise combination of curiosity, agency, and skill. Okay, we confuse engagement with a lot of things. We confuse engagement with entertainment. We confuse engagement with activity we confuse engagement with compliance i mean all of these things oh look my kids are all doing the same thing yes but it's terrible you know <laughs> oh yep. man kahoot is amazing and hey i love kahoot don't get me wrong Kahoot <laughs> is amazing it's not engaging it's entertainment you know and so how do i make that work in my classroom and so the really focusing on curiosity agency and skill that is where you're going to see engagement happen. Are my kids curious about something? Either how I lay it out, either what the content is, either how we approach it. Do the kids have some say on how they learn it? Okay, you can call that agency, you can call it a whole bunch of things, but do they have the ability to say, hey, Mr. Barnes, I want to learn this this way, and can you say yes? Mm-hmm. Your name's probably not Mr. Barnes, but you know, that'd right. be kind of cool. 
And then do they have the skills? And we keep talking about skills. Skills are a really important function, uh, part of innovation as well. Do they have the skills to be able to engage? That's, that's a lot of it. And so when we go about uh, saying, okay, we've defined engagement, then we have to go and say, how do we prove engagement? So under curiosity, yeah, I ask questions like, who's doing most of the talking? Where are the answers being found? Who is answering? the questions, you know? And if you're looking for a proof of curiosity, you're gonna have students asking questions. You're gonna have students offering alternatives. You have students as teachers, which is the coolest thing. You know they're curious when they're willing to learn it and then teach it to somebody else. When it comes to agency, we're talking about the ability to make decisions about one's learning. We ask questions like, who's most active? If the teacher is most active, do the kids have a lot of agency? Maybe the teacher was really active over the weekend to make sure the space was correct for the kids to have agency, but who's designing the lessons? Okay, how individualized is the learning? That's the agency type questions. And then the proof of those are when students practice being, being agents in their own learning, they get better at it. They say, okay, this is what we're learning. And they're already you know, going through the Rolodex saying, yep, this is how I need to learn that. You know. Talking about clarity of expectations, you know, have you given expectations that are detailed but are as wide as possible to let the kids approach the learning the way they want to? And then the, the support, even when we give kids agency, we need to make sure that we're really good supporters in that learning. Then lastly, when it comes to skills, you know, the ability to do something well, you ask questions about how often do you talk about specific skills? And how many of those skills are non-content specific? And then the proof things you're looking for is adaptability in your students. Okay, like I said, when they approach a learning, I need I need this person, I need this equipment, I need these resources, and off they go. Um, these skills that they're using raise the efficiency of the students, so they're able to learn quicker and more efficiently, and also more accurately, hopefully. And then really with the skills, it's collaboration part. Skills, uh, students should know what other, where other students' skills lie. Okay, this allows for collaboration. So I know, oh, I'm doing this type of work, and if I work with this person, I know we're gonna do a great job. They'll help me, I can help them, that kind of stuff. So when we're talking about agency and the whole thing, not only is it just knowing curiosity, agency, and skills, it's knowing what questions to ask and what proofs you're looking for. And so that's that's a big part of it. And I mean, this this took, I don't know, probably a couple of years even to wrap my brain around it. Right, and right. It's uh, it's just crucial to innovation. So as, as you're talking about the skills and the engagement and, and the curiosity, I think how important that curiosity is that we that sets the stage really to get the kids into this idea of agency and exploring their learning in their different pathways and so um, there's so many different things about curiosity I know like when I work with science teachers there's all the things around phenomena and, and, and social studies we now have these inquiry standards and trying to develop compelling questions and so in, in, in your classroom situation as, as a classroom teacher what are what are some ways or techniques that you have found to be successful in, in creating curiosity I mean I know uh, probably questions are, are some of that, but what have been some other ways? So, a, a teacher's listening, going, um, I just need ways to create some curiosity, a, a little spark in my room, so to speak. Uh, what have yeah. you found um, that that has worked with, with with getting kids' interest going? Well, it's you always need to think outside of the box. You always need to approach it in a certain way, and then there's certain groups of folks who think you need 
X, Y, or Z, or you need these hooks or whatever. And sometimes you just need something fun. <laughs> that's that's part of it. What can you do specifically that has a little bit of fun in it? Um, we do an Eastern Asian music um, unit, and it has some pretty wild sounding music stuff. So I start playing it, and I don't let them see the video, and they all look at me like it's... <laughs> You know, crazy. And then I show them the video, and they're like, oh. I'm like, well, do you want to hear another one? Yeah. You know, so I play more. So how can how can it be fun? How can it be um, not a worksheet? I mean, you're not going to get curious kids doing multiple choice questions. Right. That's, that's, really, that's really a lot of it. Um, how you lay it out. You can also say, like, let's say it's content standard stuff that you just have to do. What is the the outcome of learning? What is the output um, from the students? How can you adjust that so it's more fun to do? Hey, guys, we have to go over these standards. We have to learn this, this, and this. But the proof of learning, the, the stuff that comes out of the kid, uh, or either in groups or as individuals, that could be the fun part. Um, and I, that kind of sounds, you know, not innovative <laughs> but i think a lot of times we forget the kids you know yeah. how can we how can, what is one point in this lesson that we could have fun yeah and i think i can think that, it is innovative i think it's important to realize that we don't have to have these huge monster grandiose things no. to create the curiosity and so i think you know it is hearing the music but not seeing the video um you know how do we kind of create these this, this, this kind of tension in a good way where the kids were like start to develop their own questions like well who's making this music who you know and then oh my gosh yeah that, well why do they make it that way i mean so i think i think what you hit on is, is a really key point that it doesn't have to be these huge drawn out things it's you know um there's the book spark um by by, by ramsey that talks about how his system and you know even like in the science and the phenomena thing it's always these quick little videos that they don't give you any context but boy it really kind of gets your your gears turning in, in, in a little bit you know um and so i think that's that, that that's such a key concept because so many people feel like they can't do it and you can and it doesn't have to be you know a three-week preparation um it's sometimes it's just a tiny little moments i always say it, it, it's planting the seed and then now from there the educator creating the conditions where that that seed will blossom you know um, and i think a lot of times people are afraid to do it yeah um fear stops them from saying oh we could do this and that would be different or we could do that and then they would be able to produce this you know and it's the fear that says oh i don't know if i can do that just yeah. do it right right yeah and so to kind of wrap this up to a close would be be respectful of your time i know um a lot of people listening have probably seen, I think his name's Prince E. I don't know if that's how you properly pronounce it. But he's, his newest video, and he's got so many um, videos out, but his newest one really kind of challenges the idea of school. Um, and I know it's, it's a similar question that Seth Godin has posed. Um, what is school for? Um, and so as you're working through all your ideas and frameworks around these ideal conditions for, for optimal learning, um, how would you answer that? What what is school for? You know, based on where you are in this moment of time in in your in, in your teaching journey, and I know I was reflecting on it this morning, um, where I started education and where I am now. There's some similarities, but boy, things have changed as as well. Um, and so, how would you answer that? What what is school for? Well, I'll go back to the learning to walk story. Um, Learning, learning should categorically change how people are viewed and referenced. And that should be the purpose of education. Um, I mean, 
it's funny you ask. I actually wrote down what I believe the purpose of education is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's uh, part of you know my work last year was is it says what is the purpose of education, and so I'll just read it to you, and then we can kind of chat about it. It said, "I believe that the purpose of education should manifest itself in every school's mission statement." A mission statement that reads like a job description for everyone in that district. A mission statement that says that, insert school name here, our staff will make it their primary goal to give every student the skills and knowledge to be able to independently advance their learning. And they will expect that student to exercise mental endurance to succeed. If the student or the teacher fails, we will use that failure as a rubric for our next step in learning at whatever your school district is, we will learn how to learn efficiently and have the awareness to connect that learning to the next. I think that should be the purpose of school, to create people who have enough um, skills and knowledge base to independently advance their own learning. We should work ourselves out of a job. There it is. And if you had a microphone, that would be your mic drop, right? And you walk away <laughs> and uh, take your cake and, and ice cream and eat at the same time. So on that massive uh, mic drop there, Dane, I think we are at a point that's uh, uh, plenty of food and thought for, for the listener to think about. I can't thank you for uh, carving out some time in the day. Um, and, Dane, just before, before we end, where, where can people reach you? If they want to ask more questions, follow up, learn about the work that you're doing, um, I'll make sure this all gets it's down, down the show notes along with that Prince E's video um, and everything else we've talked about. But it, um, where can they, they uh, reach you there? Yeah, I'm uh, at Dane Barner on the uh, on the Twitter. Uh, you can uh, check out my website, which is okay. <laughs> it's at <laughs> danebarner.com, um, or uh, you can email me at danebarner at gmail.com. Really, the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, I've got a lot of a lot of resources, a lot of stuff that I've I've put together and things that I presented on that I would be just thrilled to give away to somebody. So if anybody's interested, hit me up on Twitter, and I would love to send you some some of the things that I've uh, been working on. Awesome. So I hope some people take him up on his offer. Um, I can speak highly, um, not just as an educator, but also as a friend and a colleague. Um, this guy's loaded with tons of insights and knowledge, and he's, he's one of the few handful of people that you can have a good conversation with and really kind of push your, your thinking to the next level. So, Dane, I appreciate you taking time to uh, speak with me and uh, sharing some of these ideas with the, with, with the world. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron.